Greetings. Welcome to a special evergreen edition of the Steve Dace Show here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin and he is Aaron McIntyre. You are watching this the Friday after the election because we have the weekend off, but we wanted to make sure to deliver for you original content today. And especially given the content that we are about to deliver. We have used these evergreens in the past to spend entire programs on long form essays and studies and analyses that delved into topics of great interest to our audience, uh, whether it's um, the, the 30 tyrants that we talked about, the global elites who run the world, whether it is Angelo Code Villa, one of his last great missives before his passing, on the future of uh, Trump and MAGA. We're going to do that again today, gentlemen, but we're going to do it on the topic that we have spent more time than any other addressing over these last now 31 months by the time you see this in November. And it's because there has never been, I believe, a, a systemic threat to liberty in America, at least since Pearl Harbor like what has happened over the last 31 months. And before we get into this conversation, let us reset why this is important. Friends, the world is in chaos, and it's going to cause food shortages maybe like we've never seen before. So make sure you are prepared with our friends at My Patriot Supply, just in case that could never happen here. It happens here again in the Let's Go Brandon era. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. You'll save $250 off a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. $250 off a three-month kit that includes breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, even snacks. The full 2,000-plus calories for you and everyone in your household that they need each and every day. So right now, My Patriot Supply is not putting a limit on how many kits you can order, so don't wait. Stock up because this price is so low. The kits ship fast and free in unmarked boxes for your privacy at MyPatriotSupply.com. Get yours today, $250 off their three-month emergency food kit at MyPatriotSupply.com. It's not just the threat, the comprehensive threat to our way of life that COVID stand represents. It's the fact that until recently, except for a few little ragtag resistors like this radio program and podcast and TV show, there were very few opportunities to get data that questioned the narrative. One of the things that we have pointed out to you from the very beginning is COVID Stan tried to make sure there would be, gentlemen, no control groups. So in 2020, for example, we forgot that a country called Sweden actually existed. It was the one country in all of the industrialized world that did not do some form of emergency shutdown lockdown. The only one. And so when I first got into this business, all I heard from lefties all the time is, boy, I wish we could be more like Sweden. All of a sudden, all those exact same people forgot this place called Sweden existed. Sweden Wrecked them, barely knew them. Couldn't tell you what a Sweden is. Couldn't find it on a map. In fact, no such place exists. In 2021, we were told that we couldn't have control group studies on masks 
because it would be just too dangerous. Except we do have control group studies on masks. We have done them for decades after the Spanish flu when we tried masks there and it didn't work. And they all found they don't work. That's why you've not been wearing masks your whole life for flu and pneumonia season, which are, of course, also airborne spread viruses. Then, of course, when it came to the jab, we were given all kinds of promise. It's a, it's a pandemic now of the vaccinated. If you got the jab, you would not get nor spread the virus. And yet when we said things like, eh, I'm going to kind of need to see the data on that one. None was provided or to get it, you had to do what I did. In the summer and fall of 2021, you had to go through multiple files on individual states' websites and piece the data together because they didn't stratify it for you to make it easy. Why? I mean, who has a product that they know is great and they don't want people to see the evidence for it? Who does that? Well, typically the people that know their product isn't great. (laughs) And that is what brings us to where we are today. This is an exhaustive piece. We're going to spend the whole show today talking about it. It's an exhaustive study done over at the Epic Times. Who's doing some of the best work in modern journalism right now, as far as I'm concerned. The title of the piece is, Did the COVID Unvaccinated fare better or worse than the vaccinated the results are in it's dated september 22nd of this year so it's still pretty relevant before we dig into this gentlemen your big picture thoughts on the conversation that we are about to have i want as i've told you before head swinging from trees i'm sorry that's what uh, i want my bad i'm sorry well you're pretty close to where i'm going when we talk about this I keep trying to find new ways to trigger what needs to be triggered. And that is the kind of justice that Steve is seeking out through his new book, Rise of the Fourth Reich. I I don't want talk. I don't want mistakes are made. This was a crime against humanity. So my big picture is finding whatever it is in the time we're spending on this article to jumpstart that. And I think for me, I would like to say we were right all along and they were all wrong all along, which of course is for the most part true. But I think, I think listening to this conversation taking part in this conversation is important to remind ourselves the level of evil at every single level, systemic evil we have been, are, and will continue to be up against. Everyone from the upper echelons of the public health bureaucracy down to your local radio, local uh, talk sports radio host was calling this a pandemic of the unvaccinated uh, nearly a year and a half ago. That is dangerous. We had late night hosts who have virtually no, uh, no influence and even less of an audience were calling for the unvaccinated to not receive hospital care. Ironically, ironically, probably better off if you don't get hospital care. 
but that's a story for another day. It's a reminder, I think, of just what we have been, will be, and are currently up against. Well said. Let us begin. Did the COVID unvaccinated fare better or worse than the vaccinated? The results are in. This detailed study published at the Epic Times back on September the 22nd. We're going through this thing word for word, line by line, and we'll comment as we go. Feel free if I don't stop, interject and say, hey, I want to address that. Or Oh, I will. Okay. After the fast spread of the pandemic of COVID-19 from China to the Western world, several large pharmaceutical companies quickly invented and manufactured COVID-19 vaccines which were then made available to the public through Emergency Use, Use Authorization, or EUA. And in late 2020, people around the world started to receive these vaccines. According to Our World in Data, to date, 67.9% of the world population has received at least one dose of COVID-19 vaccines. That's over two-thirds of the world received at least one dose of this in just over a calendar year. That's extraordinary. And just, I, lest you forget, if you're thinking, oh, well, early on, tried their best, lest you forget, you want to get mad right away? Why not? You, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. The emergency use for that to be uh, possible, you have to have no other alternative right. means of treating, which Correct. is why they killed hydroxychloroquine and why they killed ivermectin. And then killed a bunch of people by killing those drugs. Exactly. Yeah. So you should be furious already, and Steve's been talking for one minute. Yes, we're one paragraph in. Yes. While only 22.5% of people in low-income countries have received a dose of COVID-19 vaccine, the vaccination rates of developed countries are generally high, high typically around 80%. For, in, for instance, the COVID-19 vaccination rates of the G7 countries are 79.19% in the United States, 86.96% in Canada, 80.92% in France, 77.66% in Germany, 85.82% in Italy, 83.60% in Japan, and 79.97% in the United Kingdom. Think about it. just let's let's pause right here for a minute. I I I still have no idea. I, I don't know that the traditional eschatological view that has become so mainstreamed and popularized that even non-believers know or have heard of a rapture or an antichrist, right? I. I still don't know if that interpretation of eschatology, which has largely gained its popularity in the West since the mid to late 19th century, which means we had 18 to 1900 years of views on the, on the subject of Christ's return that were different. I, I don't know if it's the most orthodoxy affirming interpretation. I don't know. Here's what I do know. We can no longer doubt that the things this interpretation claims will take place. The mass genuflecting to a particular icon or image 
or, or virtue signal. The mass introduction of a system or process by which the entire world would fall into line in order to be a citizen in good standing. Right? The more conspiratorial aspects of, of this theory that often have overshadowed the fact that in the end, don't we want the end times to happen because don't we want Jesus to come back, right? Okay, mm -hmm. but the, the conspiratorial notions of dominoes that must fall according to this theory for that glorious appearing to happen again. At the very least, even you, who of course, Todd, have the, the pat answer whenever eschatology comes up of, I'm, I'm Catholic. Catholic, indeed. Even you has to admit, you can't deny that theory anymore on the grounds of its fantasticness, oh. on the grounds that it's just crazy and no. way over the top. It's, it's, it's more, I think, natural to buy into now than ever before. Now, we don't interpret the Bible from the world in, right? We mm -hmm. interpret the world from the Bible out, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. we, do, we do exegesis, not eisegesis, right? So we're not saying just because these conspiratorial aspects of this eschatology seem more achievable that that therefore elevates the level of orthodoxy of that eschatology. We're not saying that. We're just saying, though, that some of the, the aspects of it that seemed a little, that were more sinister and zanier that might have turned people off don't seem as sinister or zany any longer when you look at numbers like this and how fast it occurred. No, and it's a it's very much a Tower of Babel moment. Look at look at the countries you you were. It's not just Western democracies. Japan's in there. Yeah, this is the common language of uh, first world medicine and pharma that has become a Tower uh, of Babel. It I, so that's my that's what I was thinking about while you were talking there. So of course it's not. Uh, fantastical. I think the, I don't think we can begin to understand what happened to us unless we think more fantastically hmm. in the biblical sense. Let's continue. Well said. However, in all countries and regions around the world, there are people who elect not to receive the COVID-19 vaccines for various reasons. They are a naturally occurring control group as opposed to the vaccinated population, i.e. the experimental group. Indeed, the whole COVID-19 vaccine campaigns can be, be regarded as the unprecedented largest human clinical trial on vaccine safety, by design or not, as the vaccine's long-term safety data was not available when they were provided to people under the EUA. Then, the unvaccinated population in different parts of the world are a very unique large control group in such a global clinical trial. Due to the highly valuable health data of this unvaccinated population, between October 2021 and February 2022, a UK-based organization called Control Group Cooperative, or CGC, independently collected their self-reported data on their health status, reasons for declining to receive the COVID-19 vaccines, and whether they have been infected by the SARS-CoV-2 virus the severity of their symptoms for the ones that did get infected, and whether they've been subject to discrimination or victimization. These data have been analyzed by a team of researchers who are entirely independent of the CGC and have received no funding for interpreting the findings of their survey. 
Their recent report on their findings has been published on the International Journal of Vaccine Theory, Practice, and Research, which is a peer-reviewed, scholarly, open-access journal. That's the key part there, open access. Meaning that in order to get access to the peer review process, you don't have to go through gatekeepers to get to get access to that. When at New England Journal of Medicine, The Lancet, all these other places, you've got to go through their gatekeepers to get access to that, which means you've got to self-censor from the beginning, right? Yeah. Or you got to pay the toll. You got to pay the ferryman. You got to you got to ante up before we even get to play the game of poker called peer review. You have to pay the ante, which means I got to get through your approved gatekeepers and their narrative. This is an open source journal. You don't have to do that. The Control Group Cooperative was founded in July of 2021 to defend people's inalienable rights to freedom of choice and bodily integrity. Actually, one of the core principles in public health is the respect of autonomy. The group is particularly concerned with marginalization and stigmatization of COVID-19 unvaccinated communities around the world. The stakeholders of the cooperative believe that they are making a positive contribution to society by collecting health data from both the SARS-CoV-2 vaccinated and the unvaccinated to facilitate a truly comparative analysis. Their rationale is that there is no existing official control group designated by the governments or health authorities. However, since all the existing COVID-19 vaccines are experimental, a true scientific and a true scientific experiment, i.e. controlled experiment, requires at least one group or the control group that doesn't receive the experimental vaccine. Then the COVID-19 vaccine treatments must have a control group as well in order to properly evaluate their long-term efficacy and safety. Now, this is implying, of course, that despite what was claimed within their studies, we didn't get this sort of control group for real during the human trials that led up to getting EUA approval, right? That's, that's at least implied in why they're doing this. And, of course, this piece is dated September of 22nd, September 22nd. It was on October 12th, three weeks after this piece was published. It was on October 12th that we learned from the European Union Parliament that they never te- that Pfizer admitted under oath that they never tested to see if it actually stopped transmission, despite all the claims and all the testing trial data that we were told that it said did. So if they never tested it for inoculation, which is what a vaccine is supposed to be, do you really trust their claims of having control groups and things of that? Do you, did you, do you test any? Should you trust anything that they told us before they injected millions of people with it? Billions, really, with this. I didn't before COVID, and I sure as hell don't now. Amen. Amen. As of now, over 305,000 participants who have voluntarily elected to not be inoculated with COVID-19 vaccines from from over 175 countries have signed up to become part of this control group. So big sample size, diverse sample size, right? 175 countries, that's, that's almost every country in the world. By joining the control group, the participants receive an ID card, which indicates that they must not be vaccinated due to their participation. The the CGC stated on its website that this ID card is, quote, not an official or legal exemption in any country. 
although these ID cards aren't recognized by any authorities. Many participants have reported that they helped them avoid vaccination without informed consent, supported their position, and facilitated discussion with others. Some governments and media personnel have tried to discredit this study by calling it, quote, a potential scam. Isn't just about anything human beings do a potential scam? I just love how persistent they are in doing, accusing us of the very thing that they're doing. Yeah, yeah, always a projecting. Little, yes. A little impressive how disciplined they are at projecting literally everything. Indeed, indeed. For instance, upon discovering several ID cards issued by the CGC, the provincial government of Manitoba in Canada posted on its Twitter account that, quote, Data collected through the platform could not be used in an official trial to compare vaccinated and unvaccinated people, unquote, as per a UK health body. However, the UK's Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency stated that the collection of health data from the public does not need its approval. Oh, okay. What were we saying about potential scams? Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, it is very hard to evaluate the accuracy of the survey results from such a large-scale global survey. It is also very challenging to evaluate whether the volunteers in this study are heavily biased or not. But there is no clinical trial that could be designed at such a global scale, and the world needs the health data regarding this population. Therefore, even though the results from this study cannot be as well designed as a regular clinical trial, the merit of this study cannot be simply denied for providing such valuable data from unique angles. Let me stop right there again. There's nothing stopping any federal, state, local government anywhere on this planet from saying we're going to do what the state of Florida did recently with looking at young, young uh, adults and the risk of myocarditis post-vaccination. There's nothing stopping them from doing their own self-containing sample to look at this exact data. Nothing. They could do it now. So why don't they? Because it isn't science, it's the speed of science. Yes, yeah. All the answers to this question are bad, all of them, yeah. They range from bad to very, very bad, yes. When joining the CGC's control group, the participants agree to fill out a monthly survey about their health status. The aforementioned analysis was performed by a multinational team of independent researchers on the data collected from a cohort of of over a five-month period from October of 2021 to February of 2022. So basically, for us, that would have been the Delta wave here in the U.S. In other places of the world, they, they would have already had it. This cohort of 18,497 people is a subgroup of all participants, and they had been carefully selected to be representative of the full data set. So 25% of the sample is from North America, 0.4% is from Central America, 3.1% is from South America, 10.6% Western Europe, 26.1% from Northern Europe. In other words, they tried to prorate this along the lines of both population and how many people within those parts of the world were unvaccinated to get a true representative sample like we do if we were doing real polling, not the type that most American media does these days, you know. Promotional polling. Okay. In the cohort, the largest unvaccinated populations are from Europe, 40%. Oceania, Australia, and New Zealand, 27%. And North America, United States and Canada, 25%. The respondents are from a total of 68 countries and six continents. 
Among the 96.3% of the survey participants who disclosed their gender, 57% were female and 43% were male. The largest numbers of respondents were found in the 50 to 60 age group, 50 to 69, I should say, age group, who are considered by the health authorities as at a higher risk of COVID-19 infection and severe illness slash death after infection than the general public. The number of participants between the ages of 40 and 49 was also relatively large. So this is key because this is going to be heavily weighted towards groups that would be the most prone or among the groups that would be more prone, I should say, because the most prone would be people 75, 80 plus, right? Okay. So we're going to be heavily biased towards groups that are escalating because of their age, escalating in risk to COVID. Good. Right? We're not, we don't have, you know, 26 year olds like Aaron and or 30 year olds, 25, you know, 18 year olds, people that have are would be the most inclined to be at risk of the virus. All right. Or among the most inclined. According to the survey, the five leading reasons behind the cohort's decision to not receive COVID-19 vaccines include preference for natural medicine interventions, distrust of pharmaceutical interventions, distrust of government information on the vaccines, poor or limited trial study data, and fear of long-term side effects. Here's the thing. These five factors were in nearly equal importance. Each respondent could select more than one reason that he or she considered equally important. So let's pause there because we're up against the first break here in about three minutes. What stands out to you from what you've heard about this study so far? Well, right there, again, the attempt to caricature those with concerns as flat earthers was always hysterical, was always a lie. I've, again, known this before COVID. Those who choose not to vaccinate uh, for all the entire category of vaccines have a wide array of reasons why they don't do so. They mm-hmm. come from different political uh, perspectives, it, 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 which is why my spidey sense was up from the very beginning uh, on this. And that that list uh, itemizing uh, the reason why uh, is very, very helpful to me. I mean, I'm so jaded right out of the gate we're talking i'm wondering like is this am i is are we all being played with this study are, are there double agents involved i'm tired of feeling that way about things hmm. but the fact that this is itemized this way uh shows me that this isn't a setup there has always been a broad spectrum of people and we would have known that if we had a real press and doctors and scientists who just didn't suddenly become thumb suckers on this this has always been a broad swath uh, of uh, the entire globe who had questions about this and they aren't just starting now they were there at the beginning this itemizes what i have said about people like todd and increasingly people like myself, even prior to 2020, which is if you cannot look me in the eye and promise me one, with, without beyond a shadow of a doubt, like literally beyond, you know, 100% or at 100% that this thing that you're going to inject me with is going to do exactly what it claims to do, mm-hmm. much less if it's going to harm me, there needs to be some modicum of grace there. It's got to be some modicum of grace there. Did we see any grace whatsoever? No. 
Did we see anything approaching grace? No, we saw vindictiveness. You're going to lose your job. You're going to be extricated from society if you do not take the magical jab. They could not even, this was not even a, even close to being what they claimed. In fact, it's closer to be, being what a lot of us hoped it was not. Tailgate season is here. And when you're headed out, you're going to need a great cooler. That's why you need to get one from our friends at Tyga Cooler. Tyga Coolers are heavy-duty, built-to-last coolers that come in lots of colors. They can even be customized for personal or corporate gifts or events. Best of all, they really keep food and drinks cool. I've got a customized Tyga Cooler at my house. It is absolutely awesome. Tyga Coolers is a veteran-owned company made right here in the USA, employing Americans, unlike almost every other cooler company out there with their products made in China. Most importantly, they're in stock with no supply chain issues here. You can choose the lid and base colors to create your own design if you want, as well as add any image to the lid. So go to tigacoolers.com. That's T-A-I-G-A T-A-I-G-A tigacoolers.com. Enter the promo code Steve for a 10% discount. Makes a great gift. Has a lifetime warranty as well. Tigacoolers.com. Promo code Steve for the 10% discount. And that's why we haven't heard any results from this yet. But because of what Aaron just said, it, the, it should be so overwhelmingly clear that the unvaccinated basically chose to commit suicide because of the way they treated us. If, that, if these numbers don't show that, truth be told. What will they show? We'll find out here in just a few minutes. show. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, special evergreen edition. We are looking at a long, detailed analysis of a recent study back in September from the Epic Times on whether or not the COVID vaccinated or unvaccinated fared better or worse. You know, buying or selling a home, it's already one of the most stressful things you can do, but especially, well, you know what I'm going to say next. That's why you got to make sure more than ever before you have an agent you can trust. Where would you go to find one? Well, the name kind of says it all. Head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Easy for me to say. We work with only the best agents in every market. We do our homework, talking to every agent before inviting them to join the network. They're all full-time professionals. And a lot of times they come from this audience. So they share your value system. We'll make the introduction for you. And then you can follow, then we will help that agent follow you through all the way to the end of the buying or selling process or the buying and selling process with the best in the field. The process is simple. Just go to realestateagentsitrust.com today, provide some basic info, then our team will contact you to make an introduction at realestateagentsitrust.com. So we left off with the, the study pointing out the five major reasons that those who agreed to be the control group here and not get jabbed and to follow their medical progress and their interactions with society and the virus, 
the five major reasons that they chose not to get jabbed and how they essentially all were very equal. Okay. Uh, a preference for natural medicine interventions, distrust of pharmaceutical interventions, distrust of government information on the vaccines, poor or limited trial study data, and fear of long-term side effects. Uh, the fact that all five were essentially pretty equal indicates that there's even a lot of ideological diversity in this group. You have, you know, the, the natural news people, that's what the Erzin family is, right? All right, so you got the people like you guys, right? The ideological, natural remedy, birth at home, Anti-vax folks, right? Sure. Okay. Then you've got people that are just like, uh, after they lied to me about masks and lockdowns, I don't trust their trial data or anything, right? Okay. Right. I mean, there, there's a there's a wide swath of reasons. This is this is this is a coalition, not a, um, not a particular ideology. Although, this is how ideolo- ideologies get formed. Coalitions. Um, experience the same things together, come to the same conclusions about those experiences together, and then a belief system sort of is codified as a result of that, right? Right. Okay. From the results, let's continue on from there. From the results, we can see that the participants were not refusing medical treatment, nor were they not caring of their own health, as sometimes portrayed by the media and authorities. To these unvaccinated people, they just did not think that there was only one way, the vaccine way, to help them medically. And they have been reasonably conservative in taking new vaccine products. So I think of our own family, for example. For all three of our kids, when they were young, we gave them the traditional vaccine cocktail that, for example, you and I would have received when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Anything that went beyond that, we refused. We, we refused to get do anything that went beyond that for our kids. For, so because I was already growing skeptical of why did we go from 17 to 50 to 60 to 70 to 80 of them, uh, about uh, almost a decade ago now, I did get an update of the original vaccine cocktail from my childhood to do a mission trip to Haiti. That was a requirement of the Obama State Department at the time. All right. So we would be in that kind of group. Reasonably, that's a good description of how our family probably prior to COVID would have described ourselves. Reasonably conservative in taking new vaccine products. Fair? Yeah. Okay. No scientist in the world can claim that we understand every aspect of the new vaccine products. Furthermore, since vaccine development in the past took 10 to 15 years on average to complete, many people are skeptical of the COVID-19 vaccines, which were invented so quickly by several major pharmaceutical companies, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, etc., after receiving hefty funding from the U.S., German, and other governments. Moreover, the messenger RNA, or mRNA, platform based on which the Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines were invented is a new technology which has not been used to produce prior vaccines previously. For those of you that don't know what that means, let me give you my best layman's description here. The traditional methodology of vaccination is to take an inert or dead, um, non-living form of the virus and implant it into your body so that your body will then just recognize the signature of that virus and produce the antibodies it would if that were a live strain. That's the, is that, is that a fairly good layman's ex- explanation? Yeah, the term you'd heard a lot would be attenuated. Attenuated, or, yep, yep. Inert or attenuated, but mm-hmm. that's the point. So that it, your body will produce the exact same kind of antibodies as it would if that were a live strain of the 
current virus. With the way the mRNAs work, and it's more complicated than this because we get into the delivery mechanism of the nanolipoparticles and uh, lipid particles, I should say, and how when they eject into your arm, that ends up in going throughout your entire bloodstream, right? But before we even get to that, what these do actually is cause the body to recognize the spike protein that is symptomatic of a viral infection in the hopes that that will then cause the body to produce the antibodies necessary to inoculate you or def- or uh, to somewhat insulate you from that same viral infection. That is the difference, okay? So we go from a live attenuated inert, or I'm sorry, an attenuated and inert form of that contagion to the spiked protein that that contagion actually put, puts into your body, right? Now they'll claim that's also attenuated and inert, but... Not so sure about that. Or if it is, it doesn't necessarily behave like that once they put it in you. I'll put it that way. Even before the vaccines were implemented, people knew that mRNA molecules were unstable in the human body. However, the mRNA generated in the new vaccines have been modified to keep them more stable. So right away, we're looking at some form of genetic engineering. That's what modification means, all right? Therefore, we don't know whether any side effects from these modified or genetically engineered mRNA molecules would be immediate, delayed, transient, or long-term. We have no way of knowing. Here's why we have no way of knowing. These have never been mass-injected into human beings prior to COVID. Pfizer had never done one of these mRNA products before. Moderna was considered kind of the cutting-edge pioneer in this technology. It had made eight previous attempts to bring an mRNA product to market, and it failed in all eight. And only in the last two did it even get successful enough to get to the human trial phase. So we had never mass-injected this technology into humans. We have no way of knowing, really, truly, how the body will respond. We're learning it all in real time. And these right Frankenstein's now. actually said just months before COVID hit, Fauci included that in order to speed up this process and learn more about this, we would need some kind of emergency pandemic so we could learn what we need to learn yes. at a more efficient rate, Steve, because yes. the speed of science is once again very important. Yeah, not, not what's best for people, but the speed of science, yes. So here's the physical and mental health status of the unvaccinated cohort, all right? Number one, COVID-19 infection before survey. Prior to the survey, less than 20% of the, of the participants had been infected by the SARS-CoV-2 virus, with the majority of the people aging from 20 to 69 years old. COVID, number two, COVID-19 infection during the five-month period. During the five-month period of the study from October of 2021 through February of 2022, in most parts of the world, the highly transmissible Omicron variant became the most prevalent strain, replacing the previously dominant Delta variant as a result. That's correct. I misspoke earlier. Delta would have ended about the fall. We got Omicron here in the States around Christmas, around December. So we would actually, for the, those that did this in North America, you would have actually done this with both strains. Okay. As a result of the um, more prevalent transmissible Omicron stain, strain, many people became infected. Most respondents reported su- suspected or confirmed COVID-19 infection on the survey questionnaire were again between 20 and 69, which is consistent with the infection situation prior to the survey. 
Specifically, the age group from 20 to 49 accounted for 10.7% of all respondents, and the age group of 50 to 69 accounted for 12.3%. Number three, severe illness situation of the infected respondents. Given that society had found no way to stop the spread of the Omicron variant, many were infected during this time period. This included many asymptomatic infections. Therefore, our main concern is with the respondents of the cohort who were seriously ill and or hospitalized. Fortunately, in the vast majority of the cases, the patient's symptoms were mild and moderate. The rate of severe illness appeared to be very low, around 2% of all respondents. Only 74 individuals among the 5,196, or 1.4%, confirmed or suspected infected respondents reported that they were hospitalized. This percentage might not be very accurate, as people who are very sick or hospitalized might not be healthy enough or willing to participate in this kind of survey. So objectively, this kind of survey will have data skewing towards more healthy targets. Nevertheless, the data here still indicates that this group of unvaccinated people were not more prone to the infection by Omicron, even though they were not protected by the vaccines. Otherwise, the percentage of infection and hospitalization rates among the group of people would be much higher. Therefore, this is a very important piece of data, as well as the core observation in this study. However, there are no data on the number of deaths as the, de as the deceased wouldn't be able to self-report their cases. Since it's simply impossible to know the number of deaths with the survey design, some may criticize the findings as not authoritative because these cases were not confirmed by doctors. Nevertheless, judging from the small portion of patients with severe illness among the infected cohorts in this group, it is fair to estimate that disease, that disease progression upon Omicron infection does not correlate with the vaccination status. Also keep this in mind. The number one precursor to a COVID death was a COVID hospitalization. Right? I mean, there were very few people that were just, you know, totally totes cool at home and then just collapsed dead with COVID. All right. Uh, it, that it, happened from the vaccination as we're finding out these days. <laughs> nice and well played. And true. Um, but I mean, the way COVID slowly broke your um, body's immune system down. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately created the pulmonary uh, event known as a cytokine storm that would re often require hospitalization where you felt like you could not catch your breath, you could not breathe on your own. And mm -hmm. then we got into questions of ventilators and everything else. So the idea that, th so the hospitalization rate here was 1.4%. There's no way the death rate would be any higher than that. No way. Also among the infected respondents, the leading symptoms included fatigue, cough, muscle or body aches, fever, and loss of taste, with most of them being reported by participants in the 50 to 69-year-old age group. Most likely, age and underlying medical conditions would be the main factors leading to disease progression. Now here's a section on self-administration of vitamins and medicines. Although the Food and Drug Administration and health authorities in some other countries haven't approved the use of ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, some respondents believed that, they were, that there were significant volumes of medical study data to suggest that these drugs were effective at treating COVID-19 disease. And some clinicians said that from their own experience that they had helped many of their patients with these drugs. As a result, some did use these drugs to combat the COVID-19 infection. 
Also, most people took vitamins as they can be very helpful in boosting your immune system. For example, we had the study out of Israel that showed about 83% of those who were COVID hospitalized were vitamin D deficient. That's just one example. So it is clear that they had been taking an active approach to prevention and treatment, not simply ignoring the threats of COVID-19. Mask wearing situation of infected respondents. The fact that these participants were not vaccinated doesn't imply that they were not concerned about their health or the health of others. In reality, many of them were very conscious of their health and personal hygiene practices to stop the spread of COVID-19. Many people stereotype the unvaccinated as a group who doesn't care about their lives or health as they do not wear masks, nor take any precautions to avoid infecting others. However, the data clearly showed that many of these unvaccinated people also wore masks for long periods during the day. And the data here do not imply any casual relationship between mask wearing and COVID or causal relationship between mask wearing and COVID-19 incidents, meaning whether you got the disease or not. Now, the mask wearing could simply just be because that was a requirement of working all day long, right? They had to wear a mask. Or a company would say, if you come here to work without being unvaccinated, yeah. then you have to wear that mask all day at work, one way or the other. That was largely why they wore them all day long. There were there were very few of us during this time. We, we were living in a police state. There were very few of us who could just 24-7 every single day just you know give the middle finger to this thing try as we might yeah i think you know on this show we wanted to but hey if we if we needed to fly somewhere if we didn't want to risk getting in a fight and you know upset our wives at the grocery store hey sometimes for that half hour i put it on so i think you're exactly right what that means i'm i'm almost certain in most cases that's what it means i also find it fascinating that there was no causal correlation here Wearing one, not wearing one, essentially had no determination about whether you got the virus. And, and I think that's more prevalent. You could make the case, Aaron, that the hospitalization data would, would have been, was diminished by Omicron's attenuation anyway. But then it, it was also more transmissible. So on the other end, that shows us even more masks did not work, mm-hmm. right? If, if during Omicron there was no causal correlation between wearing and not wearing a mask, then that I think that kind of closes the door on the whole mask thing. Right then and there, does it not? Yeah, it's almost like it was a talisman or something like that. Where have I heard that before? Hmm. Um, I was about to say the exact same thing, Todd. I guarantee you that in that case, it was because you were required to wear it at work or required to wear it somewhere. Because even here in Iowa, where we didn't shut down, we never had a statewide stay-at-home order, you couldn't go anywhere, like almost anywhere, without somebody getting in your grill telling you to wear a mask. I remember... I remember back in August of 2020, as I know it would have been June or July of 2020, uh, as we were preparing for Bella and I's wedding ceremony, I wanted to go into men's warehouse. And that was the first time I I had to put it on because I told Bella I would take care of that. In fact, the first time I went in there and the jerk was like, hey, you got to put that mask on. I was like, I have asthma. Don't care. You got to put that asthma, that, that mask on. I walked out and, uh, I'll just leave it there that I actually, you know, I told Mila I would do that. So I ended up doing that. But it was stuff like that. Even here in Iowa, where we remained relatively open, couldn't do anything, hardly. Couldn't do anything without the mask. So I guarantee you that's what that was. All right. The next subset of this analysis that we're going to discuss, discrimination 
faced by the unvaccinated control group. That's what's coming up next here. Stay tuned. Back here with Hour 2, special evergreen edition of the Steve Day Show here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. We are out today. If everything's going well, Aaron's at enjoying himself at a wedding. I'm uh, over at the big house getting ready to watch uh, my beloved Michigan Wolverines. And you guys hadn't determined yet what you were going to do, right? We might be in Florida for the SEC soccer tournament. Oh, all right. So if everything goes well, we are all dispatched throughout the uh, outer rim of the galaxy here. Uh, but we wanted to make sure uh, to give you original content while we were away. So back on October 13th, we taped this evergreen. Now, a lot of times an evergreen means we don't need to give you the dates. It just stays good forever. But this one's a little bit more timely. It's from a study that was published in Epic Times on September the 22nd. And we're also in an environment that at the time we were taping this, we had not one but two members of the European Union Parliament point out uh, the scam of the jab narrative. We have seen an increasingly increasing velocity of the unraveling of the jab narrative. And so we decided to make this the very next evergreen that we ran for fear if we set on this for another couple of two, three months, it might be irrelevant. And it was definitely something that we wanted to spend a good deal of time digging in in depth here on the show. So that's what we're doing here today. You can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, whether we're live or not. When you email the show, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E, like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, or Gab. Follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter and Getter and get me on rumble.com slash Show as well. And then you can find me on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. Finally, if you are a podcast listener, thank you. You're one of the big reasons why we just got a contract renewal. So please help our podcast to continue to grow. Leave us a five-star review if you like us, of course. Hit subscribe or follow. And thank you to all of you that have done those things for us already. If you're a dog owner, you know that taking care of that little rascal means more than just giving him food and water. The dog's a big part of your family, so its health and happiness is important to you. That's why we've been telling you for a while now about how Rough Greens can help your dog to feel and live life better. All right, it's the supplement that you mix in, sprinkle on top of whatever you feed your dog. And with that one simple act, you have likely restored a lot of the vitamins, minerals, probiotics, antioxidants, nutrients that were stripped out of that food before it ever left the factory for the same reason they do that to the people food these days. Mass distribution, that's why we take so many supplements. And now there is one for your pet. Find out. If you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less, when we give you that first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free, all you pay is the shipping. But the first 14-day Jumpstart, Jumpstart bag is free when you go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F, roughgreens.com, or call 833-ROUGHDOG. So let's continue looking into this study from the Epic Times, uh, courtesy of a multinational, multilingual, cultural study of the unvaccinated in 175 countries all over the world. Next header. Discrimination faced by the unvaccinated control group. 
Some media personnel, authority figures, and government agencies have asserted that the unvaccinated pose a risk to the vaccinated. In November of 2021, Professor Gunter Kampf explained in an article published in The Lancet that even vaccinated individuals would continue to spread the SARS-CoV-2 virus. I want to go back and remind you that on August 6th of 2021, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky said this on CNN. She said, with the arrival of the Delta variant, the COVID jabs are obsolete now when it comes to stopping transmission of the virus. And that even the vaccinated now can get and spread the virus. She said this on CNN on August 6th of 2021. Therefore, the stigmatization of the unvaccinated cannot be justified scientifically, Professor Camp wrote in The Lancet in November of 2021. However, several countries imposed a COVID vaccine mandate on their adult populations nevertheless, including this country. August the 6th of 2021, Rochelle Walensky says on CNN. Now, maybe because it was on CNN, most of you didn't see it, all right? But you would think from August 6th to September 9th, word might have spread a little bit further. Sure. Okay. September 9th, after more than a full month, after Rochelle Walensky, head of CDC, admitted that the jabs no longer stop the transmission of the virus, the Biden administration issues its evil, demonic, unconstitutional jab mandate. Knowing full well that it didn't stop transmission of the virus anyway. Many other countries, such as the U.S., Canada, and France, require still require federal workers, healthcare workers, and or employees of certain professions to receive the COVID-19 jab. The ones who still decline to get the jab would lose their jobs. The survey also asked the respondents to indicate whether or not they felt discriminated against by their authorities or other people. Between 20 and almost 50% of respondents reported being victimized. The regions with the highest rate of reported discrimination were Southern Europe, South America, Western Europe, Oceania, and Southern Africa. These participants have been discriminated against by policy or by other people in all aspects of life, work, study, and travel. For the purposes of the survey, people aged 20 to 69 were considered of the working age. The highest rate of job losses were were reported in Oceania. I can't, why can't I pronounce that right? Oceania. Oceania, thank you. Pretend Oceanic Flight 850. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Five, eight, 12, thank you. Oceania, right? Oceania. Oceania, okay. I still can't get it. (laughs) The highest rates of job, hi, my name is John Fetterman. The highest rates of job losses were in Oceania. I still can't do it. Got it. You got 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 it. You got it. 29% 29% of working age respondents, so nearly one-third, nearly one-third. North America, where we live, 13%. Southern Europe, 13%. And Southeast Asia, 12%. Although the report didn't indicate whether their job losses could be entirely attributed to the vaccine mandates, it's quite possible that some people would lose their jobs due to their refusal to receive the COVID-19 vaccines. <clears throat> and we know many here in the United States did. Mental health of the unvaccinated. Although the majority of the unvaccinated respondents didn't suffer from infection or severe illness, would the stress from vaccine mandates and requirements hurt them psychologically? Their mental health status was self-assessed. Only 12% of the participants believed that life was great during this five-month period, while around 20% of respondents in all groups were suffering from sustained discouragement and feeling like there's no hope. Therefore, based on these stats, a significant portion of the participants were suffering 
from emotional distress. This is also a very noteworthy issue, although the study did not show that mental stress was only caused by discrimination. Anyone who has been subject to restrictions from all aspects of life, discrimination, or even hostility from others for a long period of time, a shunning, for example, can suffer a great deal of mental stress. Just ask Norman Bates. In summary, this study, this study provides the unique data that the, about the unvaccinated control group under the global gigantic experiment to mass vaccinate the population with newly developed vaccines with new technology. It also provides an important reference for public health practitioners to evaluate the policy decision making process in terms of the impacts of certain policies to different communities. For instance, in public health emergencies, there are often dilemmas in terms of public health ethics considerations, but we still need to ask, are we sticking to do no harm ethical standards or, as I asked at the very beginning of this, is the cure worse than the disease? So here is a summary of what this is saying. They found no discernible negative overall health, physical health outcome of those who were not vaccinated in this cohort all over the world. I mean, they didn't find an unusually high number of hospitalizations and therefore deaths, even though they're not itemized, but hospitalization and death pretty much go hand to hand with COVID. They found no discernibly more negative outcome from a health standpoint if you were unvaccinated because a lot of the same people that were unvaccinated also took their health very seriously from a from a preventative standpoint they you know weren't just you know living on beer and cigarettes okay however they did disproportionately suffer financial and emotional distress from the threat of the loss of the job the actual loss of a job the shunning from society, etc. In other words, the only thing that this accomplished was further dividing society. Unless one of the things it was designed to accomplish was a psyop, a determination. Who would be willing to comply and who would not for whatever we have planned for the future? And now we know the answer to that. So, gentlemen, let's get to some breakdown and discussion of this. Your thoughts overall? Of course it was a psyop. Therefore, it was a success. So we know that on the front end, based on the knowledge that they knew all along that this was not going to stop transmission. And then the fact that we clearly have no evidence of steaming piles of ash amongst the unvaccinated. We also have data of the uh, death rate that I know you're familiar with, Steve, in uh, post-vaccinated uh, societies. The death rate is higher post-vax. 
across the board. So I'm glad, I'm glad you brought this which up. Which makes no sense if this was such a pandemic yes. where people were falling left and right. That we now have a third. I forgot about this. On October 13th, a third member of the European Union Parliament came forward and provided statistical data looking at, um, was it all cause excess yes. mortality, yes. I believe, in the EU and found that the countries that, that were the higher jabbed had higher all cause excess uh, mortality in the European Union compared to those who were the lower jabbed countries. Yes. That should be impossible. And so, and then after knowing all that here, as we tape this, the Rochelle will... Let me give the quote. Pardon the interrupt. Please, okay, I, wanna, I just found it in my feed. Quote, the excess mortality rate across the EU, that's the European Union, has increased by 16% more than the average. If you look at my map, the countries with the highest vaccination rates currently have the highest excess mortality rate. That's from Christian Terrace. Christian Terrace, member of the European Parliament representing Romania. October 11th, just about a month ago. And so now today, the same Rochelle Walensky that you just alluded to, you said back in August, she made that admittance? August of 21. And then they did the mass vaccination anyways. Mm -hmm. She just now. They did, the, they did the mandates anyways. They just, they did it, give it to the kids yeah. anyways. They did it anyway. And yeah. once again, here in October of 2022, she once again suggested that all children five through 11 should continue to be vaxxed and boosted for something that they were in no danger of all along. There is no evidence uh, one way or the other uh, that they were uh, helped by this. There's increasing amounts of evidence that the vaccine is not only uh, in, inert regarding them, but damaging. It's still, here we are. So the beginning of COVID, here, as you say, 31 months later, everything in between, you, any reasonable person, honestly, it's like to say it's a psyop is the stuff of, you know, you'd say tinfoil hat stuff. Right. It is Occam's razor. What else is it if not a psyop? Because this sure is as hell is in healthcare. I want to come back to the psyop angle in a moment, but Aaron, I want to get your overall thoughts before we go there. This solidifies in my mind what Todd was just saying yeah it's definitely a, a psyop but even even bigger than that if 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 there was a cabal of global elites who were not stupid and decided and came to the conclusion that hey uh for whatever reason probably evil likely evil we have to take more control over this planet including the inhabitants of this planet how do we do that the elites would understand that you can't just stand up, take over the institutions, yeah, but even once you've done that, once you've even taken over the institutions, you can't just stand up and say your civil liberties are suspended, do as we say. Mm -hmm. You need an excuse. This virus was the excuse. Suspended individual liberty. You could not have freedom to assembly basically anywhere, anywhere at least in the West, no freedom of assembly, no freedom of speech. I remember, I think it was Aaron Ginn. Uh, I, can't, I can't even remember who he's affiliated with now. He wrote that piece on Medium. That oh, was, yeah. That was banned. That was one of the first instances I can remember right. of uh, something just t getting taken off just like that yeah. for violating the narrative. 
No freedom of speech. No freedom of assembly. No freedom of movement. All because of the all because of the excuse of the virus. That the the response to this COVID virus, whether it was a weaponized leak or a weapon that was leaked or a weapon, just a weapon. The response to this virus was just the first sortie that was fired, just the first shot that was fired. And that lasted, in most places, about a year. The second volley was this. This, in, in some definitions of rape, this was a, a rape. And I'm, not, and I'm using that word. I looked it up before. This, in some definitions, is just an outrageous violation. You cannot do anything. You cannot do, you cannot be really a full, you cannot be a fully, you cannot fully be a person unless you let us inject something inside of you. That is a violation. They were pushing, pushing, pushing. First it was, uh, your rights are violated. Now, now your bodily autonomy is violated. So they were pushing the boundaries, pushing the envelope, all in one direction. What's the next thing? What's the next thing that they're going to push the boundaries on? As we're sitting here on October 13th, taping the show on The Daily Show today, we talked about how the economy and what's happened to the economy over almost 500% higher inflation than when the last month of uh, Donald Trump was in office. Almost 500% higher inflation. It's being done on purpose. Is that the next pushing of the envelope? Hmm. I am more... I, I am more, um, not enamored, but I guess convinced of the idea that after Brexit and after the election of Donald Trump in 2016, that's when this entire last three years ongoing, this plan was hatched. The global elite saw, hey, we can't just let democracy do its job anymore. Most of uh, we we've been able to manipulate most of the population. It's Thanos putting on the infinity gauntlet. I think the elites said, fine, I'll do it myself, or we'll do it ourselves. And I think that's what we've seen over the last three years. All that is to say, studies like this, to me, at least suggest that, at the very least suggest that. I mean, just to take two data points from the study to to drive this point home. A 1.4% rate of hospitalization in North America, a 13% rate of losing your job. So a 1.4% risk of hospitalization. Let me do some math on that. Uh, 13.4 per, or 1.4 and 13.1% chance of losing your job. So if we do the math on that, it turns out there was an 836% higher likelihood that you would lose your ability to provide for your family uh, via the COVID jab mandates uh, than, it, than it was that you were going to be hospitalized with the virus. 836% more likely. Well, Steve, you can get another job. If I can't, no, I can't actually. You're telling me almost industry-wide of, you know, that I, I can't work at a lot of places. You're telling me that. Number one, number two, I mean, the leading cause of divorce in America is financial difficulty. 
these aren't trite experiences. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, not being able to put food on the table, not being able to provide, not being, not having the sense of self-worth of knowing that I am doing something of value, contributing something of value. That See, this gets into the conversation that we had during the lockdowns. It, are we more than a survival rate? I... Back in August, we had our, we had my father-in-law's military funeral. And I, I walked throughout all the gravestones there of his fellow soldiers. No one's gravestone, guys, said outlived everyone else. Nobody's gravestone said that. Amazing, don't you think? Mm-hmm. No, one, no, <laughs> no one's gravestone said outlived them all. I'm the last. No one said that. Everyone's gravestone said, you know, something of... A contribution of significance. Are we more than a survival rate? I mean, what what is the point of living if the meaning and purpose of life is going to be stripped from it? Right? I mean, that's 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 we were created to do to be and do things, not to just merely exist. We are given talents, abilities, relationships. We crave those things in order to do things that demonstrate in the creation who our creator is. We weren't created to just merely exist. So an 836% higher likelihood during the five months of this study that you were going to lose your job for not taking the jab and therefore who knows? We're talking single moms. Can they pay the bills? What happens to your health insurance and everything else that goes along with that? 836% higher likelihood you would lose your livelihood than one than you would actually have a threat, a real threat to your actual life. Who would live their life, gentlemen? Who would live their life and say, you know, I'm going to gamble on the risk that's 836% lower. If we did that, we'd never have any soldiers. We'd never have any cops. We'd never have any firemen. We'd never have any pilots. We'd never have any inventors. You know what I'm saying? I mean, in other words, we wouldn't have much of the, the sources of truth and valor and bravery and beauty that we have in our, in, our, in, our, in our way of life. So you're telling me if everybody just acted like Howard Stern. Yeah, that wouldn't be a good thing. No. Okay. Just not leave my home for two years. See, yeah, there's different ways to come at this. You're coming at it from the positive side of things, the the life worth living, who Mm -hmm. we are created to be. If you allow me to come from the negative side of this, this is from the great. By all means, this is still the Steve day show. Yes. (laughs) The, uh, (laughs) the great reset perspective. They Mm -hmm. can never, ever, because of what they want to intend to micromanage your life down to the very minutia of you will eat the bugs. This this is why the pandemic, this is why Fauci saying, you know, we need a crisis to implement this stuff. They needed to be the heroes when you thought it was a life and death matter. They can never let go of that fact. If you, whatever it is, whether it's the vaccine, whether it's the mask, whether it's the lockdowns, they, you think this was bad now with what everything, what, and the number everybody keeps doing is what, 6.5 now across the world, 6.5 million across the world died from COVID. Mm-hmm. That's, that's absolute nonsense. 
based on the fact that the, the cure was absolutely worth the disease and we prevented ivermectin and all that. But they need you to believe that whatever the number that they throw out there, it would have been higher by a factor of whatever. That they, the experts, saved humanity. And thus, because they saved humanity from life and death, that gives them license to do everything they're going to do going forward. They can never give up this. This is the end game. Whether we're talking about vaccines on this, but whatever interventions in, in during COVID it w- is as big a gambit of world domination as any has ever been tried in the history of man. I think it's in Machiavelli's The Prince that there's a there's a story or an instance that is cited of the community rising up to complain about the brutality of the local ruler. And in response to this, he cedes his authority yes. to like a new underling. Yes. And the underling is even more savage than he is. And so now these people are now crying out for the original brutal leader to return. Mm -hmm. And so one morning they get up and um, in the town square, there is a box with the head or some kind of altar or presentation statue, something that presents the head of the underling that he had, uh, that he had temporarily ceded his power to. And, and the message that is sent there is, um, I am both your tyrant and deliverer. Yes. I can, I can inflict the tyranny upon you and also save you from it. Then I basically am an antichristical kind mm-hmm. of a figure, right? Yes. That's what you're describing, isn't yes. it? Isn't that what you isn't that what you just yes. described yes. in a, in a 21st century context? And to get away with this, as you know, because you wrote about it in uh, your book that's now becoming a movie, Nefarious, you, if you understood, you, you have to understand your people, that the people you're dealing with can be quite easily led down this path to this end game. If, if you know that you have people who understand what it truly means to be a citizen as this country is founded upon, you can't pull this off. But if you know how much they've gone away from their first principles, as you outlined in your book, and ultimately slid into licentiousness, Mm -hmm. you know you've got, you, you can win this gambit. You know they're ripe for it. You know they're begging to not be citizens. They're begging to be vassals. As I've said a few times before as well in this conversation reminds me of it. I, th- I thought it was actually going to be America's licentiousness that kept us from being locked down beyond that first spring and summer, but it was actually the exact exact opposite. It was our largesse. It was our licentiousness uh, that allowed us to be addicted to the fear. Straight, hook it up straight ivy, keep us locked in our homes, cut us some checks, which we'll be paying for Probably for the next 10 years, if we even make it that far. We got new episodes of Tiger King. Yeah, we got, yeah, stay, watch reruns of Tiger King. It was that very licentiousness that didn't, that didn't make us go out to the Coliseum to see the, uh, to see the, the, the gladiators. No, 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 no. It kept us in our houses because the Coliseum's on our TV screen and our belly's still full. And so we're good, boy. We're, we're good, bro. We got the internet. We don't need to go anywhere now. Church, what is it? Meeting together, what is it? I don't know. Don't care. Don't need it. 
it was that that kept us locked down. And you're absolutely right. We were ripe for this a long time ago. Well, now I know why they call it the best-selling Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier, because this is one of our partners I've gotten the most positive response about here in the last few months. Several of you have tried it, cannot believe the results that you have seen. That's why they've sold over a quarter of a million of them. That's why they have tens of thousands of five-star reviews, odors from litter boxes, trash cans, smoke, dirty diapers, and more. No match for the powerful thunderstorm air purifier from our friends over at Eden. And pure. Better yet, it is filterless, so you won't be switching out filters out of your own pocket or the, your, your own labor for the time that you own it. All right, so put one in your basement, bedroom, family room, kitchen, or anywhere you need clean, fresh air today. Just go to EdenPureDeals.com, put in the discount code STEVE3 to save 200 bucks. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the discount code STEVE3 to save 200 bucks, and shipping is free. Well, you guys may have already answered. I said I wanted to come back to the PSYOP angle. To what end? Is that kind of what we just answered here? Well, we could go further because they're thinking way longer than most people are. So, yeah, how deep, dark, and nasty does this get? Let's do that when we come back here in a minute. Sure. I love deep, dark, dark and nasty. <laughs> We've got uh, one final segment to go. If it, if it, you know, I remember I laid this out for the audience, you know, during the jab mandate battle that the, the lockdowns were done to condition you to accept the masks as a, um, as the, the, the fee of returning to society, the mask was done to condition you for the jab, the idea that your bodily autonomy is not your own, uh, and that has been given over. And then the jab was done, the jab mandate that was done for you to hand over your bodily autonomy because once you hand over your bodily autonomy, you're essentially handed over, right? Right. But we laid that all out for people. We're basically following that plan in this conversation. So then what happens next? To what end? We'll discuss that here next. The Steve Day Show. Back to wrap up a special evergreen edition of the Steve Day Show. We recorded this in mid-October. By the time you're watching it, we're approaching mid-November. And this bad boy should now be out and available for you. It's my new book, my first attempt at a children's book. Why Thanksgiving? The Pilgrims started Thanksgiving for the same reason they came to America, because they loved God. I'm very proud of it. We'll see if it's successful enough to spawn a franchise. It's a pilot for a potential series of children's books on America's Christian heritage. If you want to get your copy today, it's over at Amazon.com as we speak right now. Why Thanksgiving? The Pilgrims started Thanksgiving for the same reason they came to America, because they loved God. Thank you to all of you that have already had a chance to take a look at the book and uh, give me your feedback. Appreciate that very much. So I'm not normally very sensitive about what people think of my writings because I'm probably overly confident about my caliber of writing, to be brutally honest. In this one, I really need you to tell me this, that these jeans don't make my butt look big. All right, I mean, this is way outside my comfort zone, man, writing for little dudes and little chicks. And I'm, I'm, I went through far more rounds of edits on this bad boy than I have any other book. 
including the 400-page Rise of the Fourth Reich that'll be out next year, okay? So, um, uh, but it turned out beautifully, uh, beyond even what I had hoped for. So now we'll just see if there's a, a market for it, and uh, hopefully it'll bless you and your family. It's an evergreen. It's the, I mean, the, the history of Thanksgiving is never changing, you know? So it's something that could become a kind of a, a, a tradition in your family. And why did we choose this as the first one? Because if I was going to do a series of children's books on America's Christian heritage, I should start with where America's Christian heritage began, the pilgrims. That's where it starts. So that's what we did. All right. Now to something much darker. We have used the term PSYOP a lot here during this Evergreen show. Let's fast forward. To what end? What is the end game here? What is the goal? We have used the term Great Reset, which, of course, is well known within our audience and is something that has been discussed quite prevalently. But Todd, you hinted at something that may be even broader than what you eat the bugs Klaus Schwab is talking about. But actually, it's more specific. The Great Reset is, you know, reordering uh, life outside of the things that, uh, at least in terms of Western civilization, we've counted on as the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, uh, to be more specific, this is, this is God-killer stuff. And God-killer stuff requires you to be the opposite of the very beginning where we are commanded to be fruitful and multiply. This is Holocaust stuff. This is sterilization stuff. From uh, the the jab specifically, possibly uh, sterilizing us long-term. There's obvious evidence of it uh, short-term. What that does uh, long-term, we don't know. Uh, uh, Again, actually killing us off in real time, and then exposing anyone who would uh, stand up. I can't remember which one of you. I think it was Aaron already uh, in this broadcast talking. uh, It it highlighted it was a sorting hat, just as uh, the Third Reich was, a sorting hat. The the Jews had to be uh, identified as as labeling, and others were as well as the problem with society. Like what the military did. Yes. The military used these jab mandates to determine who is willing, if we tell them to fire on their fellow American, who would be willing to do that? Yes. And now they have their answer, right? So, and I don't think it's any surprise. Honestly, they know, as weak as the church is, the enemy does know that at the end of the day, the church, a remnant of it on some level, is going to be standing there. And it wants to know what it is, so it can be like uh, um, uh, Kylo Ren when Luke Skywalker walks out all by himself and mm-hmm. says, "Fire everything at him and mm-hmm. blast him away." That's what the attempt was going to be made, but it wants to know what it's got going on. And so, uh, those of us who have uh, outed ourselves uh, also are, even though we are orthodox, it's one thing in the face of what we've already faced. But again. Once the fines get bigger, once the uh, possibility of something like China in a one-child policy uh, uh, gets uh, enacted, uh, things along uh, those natures, uh, that that nature, uh, who is going to uh, step forward and risk having more children if having them means 
an entire round of mandatory vaccinations like this. If any, That's, you're talking children of old men kind of stuff. Yeah. If any pushback means your children are going to be taken from you and raised by the total, total state, unless you are compliance, we were given a taste of that kind of police state here in this country. So the other side wanted to know, and it's true, even they knew you can't quite know for sure. It's like, you know when it's the time is right to take the risk with the experiment, Mm -hmm. but you still still got to play the game. Mm -hmm. And they played the game. And how many times, Steve, did the three of us look at each other? And we did have various versions of, I think it's common sense is going to kick in. But then the next day we were like, or even the same show, like, I can't believe I'm talking about this. How did it come to this, mm-hmm. this fast? Mm-hmm. We, the sorting hat worked. And it, it, it told them that the victory is at least as close as they wanted it to be. And what it should be telling us is that a lot more people than Steve Dace need to be, say, revival or busk, because quite frankly, that's getting pretty darn close to being our only hope. As you were laying that out, you reminded me, we're coming up on the 10-year anniversary next June of a phenomenal film called Man of Steel that has been criminally and unfairly diminished. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's beautifully shot. Yeah. It's beautifully scored. It does homage to... Our, the Zeus of our pop culture, of our mythology as Americans, Superman. Do you recall what led to the downfall of Krypton in that film by Zack Snyder? Yeah. They had created a system purely of utilitarian, utilitarian, technocratic processes and means. They had not even had a natural childbirth in centuries. Right. Uh, you mentioned a sorting hat. Yes. They had that uh, the device that determined you know, who would have children and um, uh, what the skills of those children would right. be, what what eggs and sperm would be in a lab put together, and the ultimate act of resistance that Superman's father, Jor-El, engages in in that society is to consummate his marriage with his wife, Laura, and create a child, uh, the first natural birth in Krypton in centuries. And that child is the one that we come to know later on as Superman. Right. Yes. And that they had become so drunk on their utopian ideals of societal advancement, they had really just lost their heart and their soul in the process. And it led to the literal implosion, the literal implosion of their entire civilization. Yes, which is what attempts at utopia always do. Hmm. Aaron, what do you think? I think the end game here could be the... Like the end game. Now, maybe this isn't the end game, but the pattern. That's what I mean. The pattern here could be the end game. What do I mean by that? Well, it's what you're talking about all the time. The lowest stakes we're playing for is Western civilization. Mm -hmm. Highest stakes we're playing for is the end of time as we know it, which in that case, come quickly, Lord Jesus. In any case, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But you can see this, and, and it's it's interesting that we um, began, or towards the beginning of this conversation, talked about how kind of the popular evangelical or 
um, view of eschatology, um, you know, could be easily panned. It's it's not anymore. It took about a month for people to realize. Uh, I could totally see, totally see an antichrist arising out of this. How 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 could people just be so foolish to fall for a global scheme, a global plot? We had our answer from about March 20th or March 10th, whenever it was, to April 10th. It was like, wow. Um, this thing can go off the rails real fast. I still think that there is enough time. God's grace is deep enough and wide enough that we can, by his, if it is his will and through his strength, we can, we can rise up and say, no, no. Your name, Caesar, your, your name is not written on my soul or my children's soul or even their children's soul, even though their parents don't give a rip or that person's soul. God's image is written upon them. They are made in God's image. So no Caesar, no Great Reset, no, no Klaus Schwab. You do not get to determine what bugs I will eat or what synthetic meat I get to treat myself with this weekend for being a good little peon, spirit of the ager. I still think there's time for people to rise up. But I think the precedents that we set, or that were set here, could be the end game, like the end. Ultimately, we know who comes out on top. So... So that could be that, that if you know Jesus, that, that's a very good thing. But in the meantime, and, and I didn't quite understand this when I was a few years ago before I had a wife and kids, I would rather not experience a technocratic dark ages with a family in tow. Would never want to do it even by myself, but especially with a te technocratic dark ages potentially on the horizon. So... As always, we have to choose this day whom we will serve. There's no exit. There's no new world to escape to. No backdoor at the Alamo, as you like to say, Steve. We have to choose whom we will serve. Choose whom we will serve. Serve is not passive. Serve uh, is, it, it requires action. Hmm. Are we willing to do that? Man... These new snickerdoodle built bar puffs are insane, and I should not be surprised because every flavor they do is somewhere between awesome and insane. It is the greatest protein bar of all time. Only four to five grams of sugar, only four to five net carbs uh, as well. Uh, loaded, packed with protein, packed with flavor, all covered in real chocolate. You will not believe that this thing is 180 calories or less, and a lot of them are a lot less than that, all right? You want to try it today. Get 15% off. If you've not tried these yet, trust me, all right? This is the best protein bar you've ever had. It rivals candy bars on the market. Go to Built.com right now. B-U-I-L-T for Built Bar and Built.com. Built.com. Use the promo code DACE to get 15% off. Promo code D-E-A-C-E to get 15% off when you get the best protein bar ever. Built Bar at Built.com. Let's close with this since Aaron went there. If it, 
if we're if we're living in an end times event, there is nothing to fear. Well, let me rephrase that. Fear for your unbelieving friends and family members. But you as an individual, if you are a believer, you have nothing to fear. In fact, this is what you have been waiting for. I've never understood, come quickly, Lord Jesus, but I'm scared to death of some sinister end times event. I'm not, I mean, I I would think the temptation would be to go the other way, to like try to manufacture a, a, a worse world to make it happen. You know what I'm saying? Then to actually fear this event. We, we want the Lord to return. Because even if this is an end time event, and it is an end times event in accordance with some of the popular theories of this moment, there will be, me, there will be much suffering in this world. But we realize that it leads to a new heaven and a new earth. That suffering comes in the night, but joy comes in the morning, right? We know ultimately where that is headed. If we're not living in an end times level event, then we're actually living through something far worse. I do not throw the term dark ages around lightly. The dark ages began with the fall of the Holy Roman Empire, the now Christianized Roman Empire. The society that frankly chat or that, that frankly Todd's church created Western civilization. And it took almost an eon, almost an eon before we get into the Enlightenment and the Reformation, which essentially resurrected Western civilization, the Renaissance. Those 900-plus years of the Dark Ages were perhaps the most unprecedented time of suffering since the Flood. Life expectancies in civilizations plummeted into the 20s and 30s. And there was no look up your salvation is nigh. It went on for almost an eon, over 900 years. Who knows how much, how long this one could go on. They have the technocratic means by which to there, there is no Gutenberg to invent a printing press. They would have the technocratic means by which to hold, and who knows, perhaps insurmountable vice grip on the flow of truth and information. The ability to be a, 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 any form of a, of a citizen. So when I say that the, the end of Western civilization are the lowest stakes we're playing for, they're the worst stakes we're playing for. If it's an end times level event, hallelujah. If it's not, like whenever Carl Lewis tries to sing the national anthem, uh-oh. Hopefully you, on that note, enjoyed our evergreen. <laughs> 
Oh, we are back live again on Monday. For Todd Erz and I, Aaron McIntyre, John 317.